Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pying the Red Sox, uh, presented by bloggingtheredsox.com. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Brendan Campbell. And today, I'm happy to be joined by a Red Sox pitcher, Zach Kelly. Uh, Zach, thank you for joining me today. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving and holiday weekend, first and foremost? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it was good. Me and my, my wife, we got to go up to Virginia for a few days, and now we're back. But, you know, it was a little colder up there, but um, it was good. All right, and uh, coming off a, a good season you had, first off, congratulations on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I guess my first baseball-related question to you is, uh, how did you first find out the Red Sox were interested in you last year? How long did it take for a minor league deal to uh, come together? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I knew whenever the, the free agency period opened. Um, I didn't really think that I would have much interest, obviously, just because coming off of surgery. And at the time, I wasn't even throwing, you know, off and down yet. And so, um, you know, once that kind of opened, uh, they were the first ones to call me or I guess to call my, my agent. Um, and then I was, uh, you know, from there I had a, a couple of different teams were interested, but, you know, it was just a matter of kind of trying to hold off uh, until I could start throwing. And then whenever I did start throwing and felt comfortable um, throwing a bullpen uh, in front of, in front of teams, I, I let them know. And then uh, they sent somebody down here to watch a bullpen. And then I think probably two or three days after that um, I signed. I was going to ask this later, but I'll ask it now. Uh, what was the surgery you had in 2019? Uh, yeah, it was actually in 2020, but I just got the uh, – it was UCL repair with the brace. And so, uh, fortunately, uh, my UCL did not fully tear off the bone. Um, it was just a partial tear, so they were able to go in there and kind of tie it and thread it back through, through the bone, and then they put a brace on it. And so um, – it's very similar to, you know, your standard Tommy John, but it kind of cuts down the recovery time. Obviously, in October, you re-signed with the Red Sox. Uh, what led you to that? What was that process like? And just how would you describe your first season with the organization as a whole? Yeah, um, I you know, the last week, we kind of had some some front office members come, come through Worcester. Um, and so we, you know, we talked to, uh, had multiple conversations with them, and then, um, we're kind of on the same page as far as, you know, I like, I like the organization. I like where I'm at. Um, and then uh, I think it was probably, probably two or three days after the season ended, um, you know, my, we were kind of already in talks again, which was a little bit sooner than I thought it was going to be, but, you know, I was, I was happy. And then um, a lot of it was done through my, my agent. And, but, you know, eventually, uh, we kind of we kind of came to an agreement. It was a no brainer. So um, I'm happy to be back. I really like the organization. Obviously, um, you know, I like what we're doing up at the top, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, I have a part in that at some point this year. Um, I, you know, I think Hein Hein knows what he's doing. I think uh, the guys he's kind of targeting are the, are the guys that are, are right for this organization, and you know, obviously that uh, that shows with the run that they made this past year. You obviously were promoted mid-season, so if you were to compare like the atmospheres, level of competition, playing conditions, stuff like that, uh, what were the key differences between pitching at AAA and AA this year? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, anytime you go up a level, you're going to have an increase in competition. Um, you know, both 
both parks were, were pretty cool. Obviously, you know, Portland has a, kind of a, a, sm- a small small Fenway feel to it with the wall and left. Um, and then Worcester's brand new, so it's beautiful. Uh, the fan bases at both places are great. Um, you know, I think it's you know, most places in the Northeast, uh, you're going to get some Boston fans in there. And so, uh, you know, whether it's in the minor leagues or the big leagues, you know, they come out. And so uh, having a good crowd every night was definitely fun fun to play in is uh, made a good atmosphere for us. Um, but I think the, I mean, I think the biggest difference, obviously from a pitching standpoint, the main difference going from double A AA to triple A is switching from the minor league baseball to the major league baseball. Um, so they're, they're different, different balls. So it was, it was definitely an adjustment period for uh, a couple days for sure. And then you, the, the hitters in triple A are just, you know, a lot better, I think, just because most of them are either, on the, right on the cusp of making it to the big leagues or their guys on a rehab assignment or their guys that are kind of up and down. So just, you know, just about everybody, uh, everybody you're facing has been in the big leagues at some point. And so they, they know their approach, they know the strike zones. So you really just have to have to make, make sure you make your pitches and mix counts. On topic of the baseball itself, would you be open to using a pre-tack baseball? Like I know that they use that in Japan. It's been a topic of conversation since the whole uh, sticky stuff uh, really took off. Uh, how would you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, it's hard to say just because, I mean, we we kind of were able to experiment a little bit with it. Um, like the last, in their, the final stretch, the last 10 games, I know they use it in the fall league. This past year, I'm not exactly sure what the reviews were from the fall league, but um, from the from my, I guess my review and kind of some of the guys that we uh, from Worcester that we kind of talked about it, it was you know it, we we felt them twice. We had them for bullpens and then we had them for a game, like one game, and those baseballs were different. The tack was different on those, and so I'm not exactly sure if it's you know if they come up with a pre-tack baseball or they just keep the normal baseball, but just kind of standardize some sort of substance that is legal. Um, so, I mean, I think I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I think one of the two um, will probably happen. At the beginning of the season, there was a lot of people talking about how the ball flew out of polar park, but I think towards the end of the year when the weather got a little cooler, uh, there was less of that and you were promoted like towards the end of July. So uh, from your perspective, what was that like? Yeah. Unfortunately I kept the ball on the ground uh, <laughs> for the most part, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think it flew, flew a, a lot more in Portland. Um, it could have had to do something with the baseball or I, I definitely agree that, you know, that towards the end of the season, the cooler it got, uh, the less it flew. Uh, I think it also flew a little bit better you know, earlier in games and then it did kind of towards the end of the games. Um, but I mean, I, I guess each ballpark has this little, little, you know, caveats where the ball flies a little bit better than the others. Um, I think the ball and Worcester flies out a little bit better to right field. Um, but, you know, that could be you know, just shorter wall or, you know, it could, could just be, you know, happenstance. But, um, yeah, I'd agree that the ball definitely flew a little bit a little bit more towards like the early, early to middle part of the season than did the middle to late part of the season. And you also talked highly of the Red Sox organization. So I'm curious when you got promoted, like, did you notice like a similar coaching philosophy between uh, the pitching coaches there, like Lance Carter, Paul Abbott, those guys? 
Yeah, I did. Uh, and something I didn't really take into account, or I guess I didn't really take into account, but uh, I didn't realize happened as much as it did was, you know, I liked this organization because like the, the coaches talk. And so the stuff that me and Lance were working on in Portland, you know, the day I got to Worcester with, with Abby, you know, we were, he brought that up and we were able to, to kind of keep the same thing going, which, um, you know, the other places I've been at going from level to level that hasn't happened. Um, you know, it seems like to be like that from the top down, just talking to different people, um, kind of picking other guys' brains. And so that, that was something that, um, I was surprised to see, but really happy to see just because it makes, it makes the promotion that much easier. And on that note, where were you exactly when you found out you were getting promoted? Cause that was the first time you got promoted to AAA, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, yeah, it was, uh, we didn't really make a lot of moves the like beginning part of the season. So it was like, we had a bunch of guys in Portland doing well, but you know, nobody was really moving up and down from the big leagues. And so everybody was kind of staying put. Um, but, you know, we kind of, I think it was the week before uh, I got promoted. Uh, I think it was when Durbin and Cutter, uh, I think, I think might've been Grant Williams. I think they then three went up. So, I think it was kind of like a, once we saw, you know, one one wave of promotions, it was kind of a domino effect. Um, but um, I was actually about to leave the field. Uh, my wife had flown into Portland, and her her flight last or landed probably about an hour before it was supposed to. And so once I got in there after the game, I had to hurry. Um, that's when they told me that um, you know I was going to Worcester, and so. From there, I just kind of tried to rush and pack everything. Um, and actually ended up going to Worcester that night, and we were, we were there for the, the game the next night. Who You're amongst good. your fellow relievers stood out to you at either like Portland or Worcester? Like you mentioned, uh, Durbin Thelman, but what about other guys like Jose Adonis, Rio Gomez, Joe Martinez, Frank German, AJ Politi, Caleb Bort? I mean, I could go on, but guys like that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's so many of them. Obviously, you know, relievers kind of cycle cycle through quite a bit, um, and then, I mean, going from pulling to Worcester, it's like a whole new, whole new brotherhood. I mean, because bullpen guys, you know, tight knit group, they they sit there in, in the bullpen during games, and uh, you know, everybody kind of picks each other's brain. But I mean, a couple guys stood out. Um, you know, like you said, Feltman. Uh, me and him were. Me and him were good buddies. We kind of had a running joke all year about strikeouts. And <laughs> and so, um, you know, after every outing, you know, depending on the outing, we would, you know, let's go up to each other and joke about how many guys we struck out or, or sometimes didn't strike out. And so uh, it was fun to add a little bit, a little bit of a competition in there um, um, between each other. Um, um, me and me and Ort were, were pretty close. Um, I was pumped to see him go up uh, and get his shot in the big leagues. And he's had a, a crazy career so far, but you know, he, he's, he's a really, really good player. Uh, and he can, uh, he can, he can get outs and he's, he's going to do really well in the big leagues. Um, so like I said, it was awesome to see him get his shot. Um, you know, I can go on and on for days about some guys, but, um, you know, I think the, the guys we have in the, in the bullpen and Portland and Worcester, um, are really good. Once the AAA season ended in October, I mean, you were uh, re-signed at that point, right? Uh, yes. The, I think it was 
I think the season ended on a Sunday, and I think I resigned on Wednesday or Thursday. So were the Red Sox able to, like, give you some sort of offseason instruction they wouldn't otherwise be able to give a typical minor league free agent? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think so. I think, I mean, I think it was just, you know, just like any other kind of minor league free agent where, the, you know, once you sign with them, you're kind of in the organization and you have access to, to all the guys. I think, I think the benefit that, you know, maybe I would, I would, or somebody else from the organization that resigned would be, um, they know you a little bit better than as you, you know, if you came from outside the organization, but, you know, other than that, I mean, I, I don't think so. Um, I think just like kind of the people I talked to and it's kind of some self, self-reflection, self I think we're kind of both on the same page with some adjustments and some improvements that I need to make from, you know, this point until spring training. I mean, have you been in contact with anyone in the organization, like since the season ended, such as like, I don't know, like, I don't know if you want to in contact with like the higher ups, like Hyam Bloom, Cora, Dave Bush, but like someone like Sean Havlin or Chris Mears, maybe. Uh, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, mainly I've been, you know, just kind of checking out some strength staff people and, you know, letting them know what I'm doing, uh, just making sure everything, you know, is working correctly and, you know, trying to stay on top of some strength and mobility stuff. Um, yeah, you know, the only really, really pitching staff that I've been in contact with is um, having a few times and kind of going over our off-season throwing program and just making sure I have a good timeline uh, for on the next couple of months until um, until spring training starts. So whenever spring training gets here, um, that I'll be ready to go. And uh, have you noticed any differences between preparations of last year because we're still in the middle of the pandemic, whereas this year, I mean, like, with the vaccine and stuff are kind of, we're not out of it, but obviously in a better place than we were a year ago. So have you been able to get like, have been more hands-on, I guess, whereas everything was more virtual, digital beforehand? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we didn't do too much during the pandemic it's for me, because I, you know, I was mainly a free agent, but even just going into the, you know, the first part of this year where, you know, spring training, you don't have those meetings where, you know, there's, you know, a hundred players and three people talking, you don't have, you know, everybody packed into a cafeteria eating lunch. Um, everything was so much more spread out and the stadium and uh, doing zoom calls and making sure everybody was distanced. And even, even the clubhouses were, were set up differently. Um, and so like your normal, your normal come in before the game to kill some time, maybe like play some cards or, uh, play some ping pong or something like that. It was just, you know, you couldn't do that because all the lockers were spaced out throughout the entire locker room. And so um, there was none of that. And obviously, you know, the mask mandates and MLB's mandates, they were tough. Um, and But, you know, I think everybody was, um, I think everybody was happy when they kind of uplifted those a little bit, for sure. <laughs> so since you turn 27 uh, next March, do you still consider yourself like a prospect or more of a minor leaguer or how does that classification work for you? No, I don't, I don't really consider myself to prospect. I don't think I've, you know, I don't think I've considered myself, a, you know, prospect my entire career, um, you know, but I've, you know, I've accepted that, you know, cause I mean, going when you're, I think when I got signed with in, in 2017, I think I was, I don't know, maybe I think 22, you know, a division two senior, undrafted free agent um so 
I knew very quickly that I was not a prospect. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I'm fine with that. You know, I'm, I, you know, I realized that, you know, there's not, the name value is not really there. And the, I don't think I'm going to be, if I hadn't been a prospect, I don't think I'm going to be one. And like you said, when I'm 27 years old, uh, 27 year old reliever, especially, but, um, and, you know, I kind of like it that way because I feel like, um, you know, I don't have a, an expectation to really live up to, and I don't have you know, like really any pressure on me. And so I think for me, it's just been so much, so much easier to kind of go about my business and go about my career with, you know, the, the only expectations are really the ones that I set for myself. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that that's honestly been great for me. Uh, so to come out of the D2 school and uh, going undrafted kind of give you like a chip on your shoulder when you went pro in 2017? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, especially, you know, the first kind of couple months of your rookie rookie year when, you know, like in my position and you, know, you ask people where they go to college and, you know, it's uh, you know, Texas Tech or you know, TCU or LSU, Florida, and I'm just, you know, you tell them Newberry College, and they're just like, oh, okay. But yeah, I, you know, I agree. It really does give you like the motivation to kind of compete with them and show that you can do, you know, just as much as they can. Um, and, you know, my, my goal is to kind of, you know, kind of be an example that, you know, you can, you can get, you can get places about playing Division II baseball. Because um, especially in the Southeast, I mean, I, I don't think I can speak for everywhere because uh, just experience wise, but I know, especially in the Southeast division two baseball is really good baseball. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's a ton of kids drafted, um, division two kids drafted out of South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida every year. Um, and a lot of those are transfers from division ones, you know, whether they went D one to D two or, or D one to Juco to D two. And so, you know, there'd be plenty of times where I would start on a Friday and, you know, the first couple of guys I face had, you know, they started their career out at North Carolina or Clemson or Florida State, Miami, and now they're at a Division Two. And so I didn't really feel overmatched because of that, you know, when I first got into pro ball, which was huge because I feel like, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, they don't play at that big D1 or when they face bigger name guys or that went to a bigger school, they kind of do feel a little bit overmatched and they kind of lose confidence in themselves and their stuff. And that's when things go south. And so, yeah, I feel like that was kind of an advantage to me for sure. Uh, is it true with you sign, that you signed with Oakland for only $500 out of school? That is that is also true. And is that legal? Go, it is, apparently. And to go a little bit even further into that, I, I tell the story all the time. So we, um, and the A's, they provided us apartments in Arizona for the A's Yelp, and it was $300 a month. And so the day that we got our signing bonuses was the, also the first day that we had to pay rent for our apartment. Uh, and so I get my, I get, I got my check and after taxes, it was $323. And I walk out of the building and I see on the big whiteboard rent is due tomorrow, $300. So I had to go cash my check, put away the $300 for my rent. And I had $23 and I, I, I kid you not, I took it to Applebee's and got a two for 20 with myself for myself. So I essentially signed for a plane ticket and an Applebee's two for 20. <laughs> Not exactly like buying your mom a house or anything like that. 
Yeah, I know. She was probably pretty disappointed about that, but. <laughs> so I imagine having lived that, you're pretty pumped for these other guys who will get like uh, free housing or like housing taking care of them next season. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, especially, you know, especially, you know, just from where I was this year in Portland and Worcester, you know, rent is not cheap. Um, and, I mean, it definitely doesn't, you know, doesn't compare to, you know, some of the other places that I play like Alabama where, where it was, you know, a fraction of what it is in Portland and, and Worcester. I think, it's, I mean, especially Portland when we were, you know, we were kind of looking because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that Portland is such like a big summer vacation town. And so everybody flocks there for the summer. And so, you know, finding a, a decent apartment with, uh, that you can split with enough guys and not, not be on top of each other was, you know, nearly impossible. So I think that's why a lot of guys just kind of lived in the hotel all year. But yeah, you know, I think it's been time to, to do this from, a, you know, a paying for housing standpoint. Um, and, you know, I'm really glad that, that they did. And I think they're going to see the benefits of it as well. And so I think it's a win-win for, for both sides. I'm going back to your time uh, with the angels org. Uh, I mean, it looks like you had a pretty decent season in 2019 between uh, high A and double A, but you were at least the following May. Was that because of your surgery you think, or just the COVID-19 uh, roster cuts all the teams made? Uh, you know, a little bit of both. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't plan on uh, my UCL uh, tearing off, but you know, it did. Uh, you know, I tried to rehab it. Uh, and I think, it, I, you know, I think it was just poor timing more than anything, um, because when you know when everything got shut down, I, you know, I tried to just continue to rehab it, just because I kind of understood where I was and my age, um, and getting surgery at, you know, at my age was not something that I, that I thought was beneficial to me um but i think towards the end of may when i realized that i wasn't going to be able to get back to 100 percent without pain um i told him and i think you know i think it, that was where i you know i was talking about the bad timing part because i mean i got released it might have been like the next day or the day after or after that at the latest um but i mean i understood i mean everybody was everybody had to make cuts um for the most part and you know at the time right what I thought I was gonna have to get full, full blown Tommy John surgery. So if that would have been the case, and I would have got it when I did, you know, I wouldn't really been able to play this past year either. Um, and so, um, you know, that that wouldn't have benefited them. So I mean, I don't, you know, I don't blame them. Um, but luckily for me, I didn't have to get the full blown reconstruction, and I was able to play this year, and I was able to sign with Boston, and you know, being a, a really good organization that. Uh, I, I like, and I think has a bright future and, you know, it paid off. Uh, how did you getting interviewed by the New York times come about? Oh, I, I, I still don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, we were, I think we were in Alabama when I was getting my surgery and I just got a random, a random uh, phone call from, from New York. I and mean, obviously I didn't recognize the number, but that guy said he was from the, from the New York times. And I, I almost didn't believe him. And so like the whole time I'm talking to him, I'm on some, you know, I have him on speakerphone and obviously I'm looking, I'm looking him up and sure enough, uh, he was from the New York times. And then, you know, I still didn't think it was a real thing uh, until one of my, one of my athletic trainers with the angels uh, in 2019, he, you know, he texted me about it and sent me the link 
Um, so it was really random. Um, I mean, I guess it was cool. It was cool. I mean, the New York Times are kind of they're kind of big. Uh, they're kind of big in what they do. So it was it was different, but it was cool. Uh, have you had the chance to interact with Seth Blair at all in your time with the Red Sox? Because I'm pretty sure he was part of a big interview around that on that same topic as well. Oh yeah, Blair. He you know he he's one of my my, my most favorite teammates I've ever had. Me and him actually uh, when he got to Portland, whenever that was, me and him were throwing partners until he went back up. You know, everybody was pumped for him when he went back up. And then once I got when I went up to Worcester, we were throwing partners again. And so. Me and him spent a lot of time with each other, a lot of time working on different grips and, you know, just pitching in general. And, you know, uh, you know, whoever hadn't heard his story, I highly suggest uh, to go, like you said, go look up that article because it's really, it's truly something else. And, you know, he's a, a good of a guy as he is a pitcher. And so, um, you know, he's definitely, he was definitely one of my better friends during the season. And yeah, his story is awesome. And were you two both at Polar Park the day uh, all the pitchers dressed up for Halloween, even though it wasn't Halloween yet? Yeah, we were. Uh, that was funny. Uh, that was actually headmanned by Austin Bryce. And I think we, I think we could have had some turnout for the position players, but I think there was a little bit of a lack of communication between between us and them. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the most impressive thing about this was the, the quality of the costumes on a, a two day notice. And like you said, it wasn't Halloween. And so it wasn't like there was just all these stores that were just selling Halloween costumes. And so it was hard to, it was hard to find something, but you know, everybody, everybody bought in, everybody, you know, came, came with their best. And I was really glad to see uh, everybody have fun with it. Um, I didn't think it was going to get, you know, the buzz that it got, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> Uh, who was the one who dressed up like a balloon animal, a red like dog balloon animal? Uh, that was uh, that was Schreiber, John Schreiber. Oh. Most impressive thing, he had that, but underneath that, when he was in the costume, he also had another costume on. I think it was a Jackie Moon costume. So he he had a double costume. So speaking of like John Schreiber, how cool was it to see him, Stephen Gonzalez, Cutter Crawford? Uh, Reynal Espinal, Jack Lopez, all these guys who got called up during the Red Sox uh, COVID outbreak. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was awesome. Um, was like, obviously, during the COVID outbreak, we were kind of all on standby, just every every single day, just to see what happened with their COVID tests. And so we didn't. Everybody was on standby. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, I mean, we could have sent three guys. We could have sent none. We could have sent six. We didn't. We didn't know. Um, but it was awesome. You know, I know a couple of the guys were, had been up before and, you know, it's been a while since they got, since they've been up there. And, you know, obviously for Jack Lopez where, you know, he's been grinding in the minors for the absurd amount of time that he has to see him go up there uh, was awesome. And, you know, to see him do well was even better, you know, Cutter, especially because I don't, I don't, I obviously I wasn't here before, but uh, here in kind of the, the timeline and the process that Cutter has been through and where he was pre-surgery to where he is now um, is awesome. You know, he, he knows what he does and he does it well and he grinds through, through games and, you know, he very, very deserving of getting protected, which he did. Um, and uh, like I was talking about with Ort earlier, we were actually at dinner with him when they told him he was going on the taxi squad, um, you know, which, 
you know, turns it turned into him uh, getting put on the roster. And so just seeing that firsthand was, was really cool. Between you and uh, Cutter having those uh, elbow surgeries, uh, did you say you changed as a pitcher since you underwent that surgery last year? Uh, maybe a little bit, just kind of just different things that, you know, I didn't really notice um, during like beforehand, but I, that I noticed afterwards, but, you know, just fortunately I, I was able to give me enough time to be able to clean up my, my mechanics, um, try to get a little bit less violent, you know, whether that had any effect on my elbow this year, or, you know, I don't know. Uh, but you know, I think it made me be, be able to be a little bit more in the zone, just not being so much, so out of control. Um, and got me, it allowed me a lot of time to kind of study, study the game, like study pitchers, um, but, you know, pitch selection or just analytic stuff that I didn't understand or um, just pitching it in, as a, as a whole that otherwise I probably wouldn't have taken the time to do. So from that aspect, I think so, but as far as, you know, as like what I do on the mound and how I attack guys, I don't think it had too much of an effect. With that, would you just mind like describing your pitch arsenal a little bit or maybe how like you go about facing left-handed and right-handed hitters on any given day? Uh, yeah, fastball, I always try to establish that fairly early. It's a little bit, it was a little bit different this year, just going from a starter to a reliever, but um, so it was different, but you know, it was fairly similar just from pitch selection standpoint. Um, but, you know, fastball, I was fortunately, I got a little bit of a, a increase in velo this year. Um, but my, my changeup is where, you know, that's something that I've always had. And that's something that I feel like I can, I can get a swing and miss uh, really at any time uh, in the game during whatever count it is. I feel like, I, you know, I can at least get in there for a strike and more times not get a swing and miss. Um, I, you know, I try to make it like a screwball as much as I can. And it's just a, you know, it's something that I've always kind of been able to throw. And I think, I think it has, it's so successful because just because it gives, you know, it's a different look um, just as far as the action on the pitch coming from a right-handed pitcher. Um, and it, my slider's always kind of been a work in progress. I threw it early in the year and then kind of halfway, well, probably not halfway, but probably around June. So after like the first month, maybe a, a month and a half into the season, uh, me and Lance Carter kind of tried to scrap that one, uh, and we developed a little bit of a cutter. So I think I threw – once I threw – I felt comfortable with the cutter for about two or three weeks. Um, so kind of towards the end of the season, I kind of tried to turn that cutter into a, a little bit of a shorter slider, um, which I felt really comfortable with. I felt comfortable throwing that to righties and lefties towards the end of the year. And so um, – I would, I would probably say change up fastball slider. Um, and another big thing was trying to throw my change up to righties, which I hadn't done very much in the past. But once I kind of did that, I felt like it opened up the zone tremendously. And uh, any key differences between the lefties and righties or is there not enough data to support that in the minors? Uh, I, mean, I think, I think my sweats are a little, maybe a little bit better towards you know, towards lefties just because, you know, I throw that, I throw so many change-ups and, you know, getting something that can fade into them and then, um, or fade away from them coming hard in just, I feel, you know, from my standpoint, just seems like it adds up to a tough at bat. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't think it's anything drastic. I mean, I think, I think I might 
walk a little bit, a couple more lefties was trying to be too good with everything, but I don't really think it's anything, it's anything drastic. And I know you mentioned Cutter Crawford getting protected, which was well-deserved on his part, but the Red Sox could have, in theory, added you to their 40-man roster like last week if they wanted to, but they didn't. So was there any sort of anticipation on your end with that, or did you have an idea of what was going to happen beforehand? Yeah, well, I did. I, I honestly didn't think – I didn't realize that I was Rule 5 eligible until the Wednesday before the deadline, so two days before until I – once I realized that I was eligible. Um because like, like there's wording with the, in the in the CBA and then you know from MLB themselves and so it's just different wording but we've you know we cleared it up and I was eligible but uh, you know I thought I had a chance just because you know like you said my age and um, I felt like I had a good year and so uh, I thought I, that you know I might have a chance to get added and you know me and a couple other guys too um, but ultimately I didn't uh, which I'm fine with. Um, you know, I, I trust in, I trust Heim. Um, he's proven himself over and over uh, throughout the years. And um, I think he has the, he knows what, he knows what his plan is for this off season, but you know, we'll see what, we'll see what happens next week. So, I mean, you are technically under contract for the 2022 season, but uh, I mean, you in theory could be selected. I mean, assuming there's a rule five draft, you could be selected even by the Red Sox next month. So. Is there any like uncertainty or excitement there? Is that something you're just not trying to think about right now? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it. But um, yeah, I, I definitely thought about it, and I don't really know what to expect. Um, I think, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, the preparation doesn't doesn't change as far as what I'm doing. Um, but obviously, the goal is to be in the big leagues, and if um, someone thinks I could help their the big league club and I would be all over that opportunity. Um, but, you know, I, I think whatever happens is a win-win situation for me. Um, Cause you know, say if I were to get selected, then, you know, I have a, I would hopefully stay in the big leagues all year, um, which is every, every guy in the minor league's goal. And then, you know, if not, I'm in a really good place with Boston where I'm completely happy, uh, happy being and, and at that point, if that happens, I hope I can help help the Boston's uh, big, big league team win. So um, that's kind of my thought about it and um, how I'm kind of trying to handle handle that. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I think it was after either – I think the 2016 season, the Red Sox, uh, like they outrighted Josh Rutledge or something to that effect, taking him off the 40-man, but they then added him back like that December. So there have been weird instances like that. Well, they they hit they hit pretty well in the rule five last year. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the minor league phase too, right? With uh, Caleb Bort. Yeah, I think it was him and Frank. No, Frank was the trade with Otto. Yeah, twenty nineteen was Espinal too in the minor league yeah, phase. That, yeah, that's who I was saying. He came from the Yankees too, didn't he? Yeah. Sheesh. <laughs> so just under the assumption that you are with the Red Sox, like going into the spring. Uh, do you know yet if you got a major league invite? Or is it too early for that? Uh, yeah, I, I do. You do? Yes. Oh, congratulations on that. Thank you. I mean, obviously, like my, my follow-up question was, uh, you'd be looking forward to that. That's an obvious yes, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. 
And just in the interim, in the meantime, how do you plan on attacking the rest of the offseason? And uh, what are your expectations for 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think my rest of my plans for us, the offseason is just to try to stay healthy and uh, continue to get stronger. It's always, you know, it's never a bad thing to get stronger. Um, I would be able to be more durable during the season. And, you know, I always try to, I always try to finish finish stronger than I started. Um, and then, you know, my goals are the same as they have been, um, just to uh, make quality pitches and, you know, continue to kind of pitch to my philosophies and uh, ultimately make it to the big leagues and uh, help the team help the team win and hopefully win a World Series. All right. So um, that was my final question. So uh, Zach Kelly, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, you can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach underscore Kelly and on Instagram at Zach underscore Kelly 19. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug before we go? No, I think I'm good. I appreciate uh, appreciate the time and um, look forward to, to seeing what happens the rest of this offseason. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Zach. Uh, and happy holidays. All right, bro. You too.